With the upheavals we've weathered lately, and they have been economic, political, social, racial, professional, personal, local, national, international, you can start to see echoes in the culture. How films, for instance, are looking at protest and dissent and how those activities have been received by the authorities. Movies are rolling out historical sagas right now as we're still reeling from the multiple blows to our own lives in the last year, or two, or four. We're going to Chicago to protest the Vietnam War. The rash of these films began to appear recently. Chicago 7, now streaming examining the role of government in identifying and prosecuting presumed conspirators during Vietnam War protests and in violent episodes at the Democratic Convention in 68. You know why you're on trial here? The recent documentary MLK FBI, much heralded and now playing, offering chilling details about the degree to which the work of Martin Luther King Jr. was monitored, threatened, and undermined by the FBI. We just wanted America to be what America said it was supposed to be. The upcoming film Judas and the Black Messiah, launching next week, depicting the Black Panthers, Fred Hampton, and their journey under the close watch of that same FBI. The United States versus Billie Holiday, with a late February release date. An unromanticized portrait of Holiday's addiction and of the great interest in her activities on the part of the FBI's Narcotics Bureau. Even the film Minamata, which was to have been released today but has been postponed due to the pandemic, is another true story about a human rights struggle on the part of the American photographer W. Eugene Smith. It's been made very clear to me now that, that I am seriously unwelcome here battling a greedy corporation in a small Japanese town in order to document the crippling and deadly mercury poisoning in the water there. It's a story about a battle against the authorities, fought by a stubborn, gifted professional. Bring the story home. Talk about stubborn, gifted professionals. These historical, fact-based stories about dissent and difference of various kinds coincide with the death of the writer Walter Bernstein at 101. After a lifetime of writing magazine pieces, teleplays, and screenplays, teaching writing, and surviving the anti-communist blacklist in the 1950s, Bernstein was a bit of living history, and he knew it. It's notable that when his death was announced a couple of weeks ago, so many TV and print interviews popped up all over the Internet. That's not because Bernstein was greedy for publicity, but because he saw this as a mission of his, to be interviewed, to be the living history, to talk about it, to tell the story, as he told it to me in 1999, starting with the moment his name appeared in the booklet Red Channels, along with about 150 others. You You found yourself in Red Channels. An alphabetical list. I remember I came right after Leonard Bernstein. It was a listing of your... uh, so-called communist activities or communist front activities. Also on the list, Dorothy Parker, Arthur Miller, Pete Seeger, Aaron Copeland, all automatically unhirable in a film or TV. And there were about eight listings for me, as I remember, something like that. All true. They were uh, things like uh, supporting the Spanish loyalists in Spain, supporting Russian war relief, uh, writing for the New Masses, a communist publication. Finding these memberships and associations, he said, hadn't required much sleuthing on the part of Roy Brewer, who'd been appointed to a special committee to clean up the ranks of the entertainment world. 
The activities of Bernstein and the others were all a matter of public record, but the committee noted the names and made their own record. Sometimes the things Bernstein said about all this in 1999 might have been said yesterday. At first, I know I thought that these people running the House Committee on Un-American Activities were, you know, just a bunch of uh, bigots and racists and uh, part of what we considered a, a lunatic fringe. And it took a while to uh, sink in that uh, this lunatic fringe was in many respects running the country. Post-blacklist, Bernstein and his friend and fellow blacklistee, director Martin Ritt, managed to get a movie made out of this bit of seemingly ancient history. It all came together in 1976 when they got the idea to do it as a dark comedy about a free-spirited bartender who fronted in name and in person for blacklisted TV writers. It told their story. Here's how we did it. Here's how we survived. And wasn't it absurd? And yes, it was, whether you were a communist or you weren't. It's the other Harry Stone, the director. He's the one you want. I'm blacklisted because I think I'm him. I understand. I'm innocent. I never joined anything. A terrible mistake has been made. I sympathize. Unfortunately, I can only help people who are willing to make a clean breast of what they've done. But I haven't done anything. That's why I can't help you. A Moment from the Front, now streaming, another film that fits the genre, a remarkable true story about a time when the U.S. government was extremely interested in people whom they labeled as subversive. Just a reminder from filmmakers and actors who went through it. This is something that can happen in this country. It can happen again. Uh, It is something always to be wary about. I mean, those same kind of people, uh, the bigots and the racists, uh, are still around. They're still very powerful, you know. Now they're running Congress and uh, they're honored guests on talk shows. So in that sense, the blacklist is with me and that I know it's around there and uh, you have to be vigilant. A few years later, in 2002, we talked again. By then, right after 9-11, during the War on Terror period, Bernstein was beginning to wonder if people were even capable of learning from history. Learn from history? I don't think we do particularly. I don't think people do. Uh, it's never saved us before. No, I think uh, I come back to one thing that I keep saying, which is uh, dissent, dissent, dissent. Um, you know, that uh, it's the basis of democracy. You know, you have more power than you think you have. And use it. Use it. Speak up. Of course, these days, the question of exactly who are the authorities enabling or clamping down on which self-proclaimed dissenters is an ever-changing landscape. And considering these message pictures about the past, maybe that's the message. It's a continuing struggle, and they may help us understand and process the urgent history we are now living. It's Fishko Files. I'm Sarah Fishko. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, the New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. 
So please join me every week for the New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.